Morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Files Radio. I always say we are we're gonna have an excellent show. I love to say that because we're going to have an excellent show today. Yeah, we're bringing back Log Talk Radio, Cinema Files Radio alumni Shane Graham. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you for joining us on Cinema Files Radio. We talk about all things pop culture. We also talk about video games, movies, comic books. They are all related. It's media. Media today. Let's get straight into our show today. Let me give you my, my, my little opinions of the week. Now... If you've heard some of the superhero news coming out, or that have come out recently, we're all waiting for the Avengers Age of Ultron trailer to come out next week. And um, obviously it was released a week early, and thankfully so. <laughs> that trailer was insane. Who else loved that trailer? That trailer was great. And then when you start singing uh, the, uh, the Pinocchio song, which obviously is one of the kudos of being owned by Disney, you can use that song from Pinocchio in Age of Ultron, Avengers 2, which looks awesome. It just looks fantastic. But if you haven't seen the trailer, go see the trailer. Go to traileraddict.com. It's where I usually go to, traileraddict.com. Or I go to sometimes apple.com backslash trailers. I go there sometimes. They do a lot of independent trailers if you like that kind of thing. I do. Or a lot of other places. They don't show trailers for independent films. So I, I really dig that. Anyways, Avengers Age of Ultron. Fantastic. Loved it. Okay, let's talk about a show I don't like right now, unfortunately. I mean, I love TV. I love show, I love Chopped. I love uh, MasterChef. I, I love TV. I really do. I'm not a huge fan of episodic television anymore. Especially since the Netflix programming has come out. I can literally watch House in about five weeks and see the continuity in all the stories and enjoy them for what they are. When you get episodic television, it has a tendency, like, for, for instance, Constantine that just came out. The first episode that was just released is going to be drastically different than the second episode. The reason why is they recast the female. They, they didn't feel like she fit formally well in, in the show. So they recast her. So it's going to be a different show when you see it again. Whereas The Flash hasn't really changed all that much. If you're seeing the episodic television is, is very silly. You know, it, it goes to show that these companies don't really have faith in their product. Therefore, they release a show and they hope to get the numbers. When they get the numbers, then that's when they go towards you know, making a, a continuing to the story. Instead of saying, we love this show, we're going to order 13 episodes. It's very strange. Gotham and, and The Flash and, and shows that everybody's been waiting for have been on, on torrent sites for months to show people what they were seeing. I saw Gotham a long time ago. I saw The Flash a long time ago. They have not changed at all as far as the uh, the pilot episode. At all. Well, maybe a little. Not a lot. And one of the reasons why that is because they're really waiting for you know the next show to come out or the next episode or very strange it's very 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 strange 
So I'm very much looking forward to the Netflix perspective on, on superheroes like Daredevil. Now, if you haven't seen anything on Daredevil from Marvel that's coming out on, on Netflix, look it up. It looks really, really nice. They have three stories coming out on Netflix, and I'm only going to talk to you about the one, which is Daredevil. It looks fantastic. It, it plays great. They're, they're playing off old archetypes. It looks fantastic. You're going to love this. Okay, I need to backtrack. I need to go back to the show that I do not like. And that show, it's going to be Gotham. Don't yell at me. We're all Batman fanatics, including myself. Gotham is one of those shows that is in, so intensely disappointing that I, ha- I have to talk about it. I have to. Gotham is basically, if you, look, if you know Batman Year One, this is basically you know, Jim Gordon, Commissioner Gordon Year One. Now, they covered Commissioner Gordon Year One in Batman Year One in the comic book, in the, in the graphic novel series. And that was right after Dark Knight Returns. So it was supposed to be the reimagining of Batman after the camp years of Batman, when he almost couldn't be sold. So you have a revamped graphic novel called The Dark Knight Returns, which is just amazing, which is basically the new Batman coming out, new Superman versus Batman. That's basically what the series is about. And then from there, you get that you get that fantastic piece, and then it kind of revamps Batman in a certain perspective, and then he goes back and creates Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Batman Year Three. It's an incredible series. Now, in the series, what happens is Commissioner Gordon leaves, or, or, or Detective Gordon, leaves his original city because he did something wrong. There's something, and I don't want to give you any spoilers, but he did something unlikely of his personality. So he left. And he went to Gotham to straighten things out, to make things right. Now, he's supposed to be, to us, the private man to Batman. The, almost the elite Robin to Batman. That's who Commissioner Gordon is. One of those people. Okay? So that's what he's always been in the comic book series. What he's always been in the cartoon series. Commissioner Gordon. When you watch Batman Year One, when you watch the cartoon, or if you watch, if you read the graphic novel... You're going to notice that Commissioner Gordon is not Pollyannish. He's troubled. He has a pregnant wife, which is is Gordon. And while this is happening, they go to Gotham. They restart their life. Commissioner Gordon has a female partner. They're hidden corruption everywhere. Um, His wife's at home going through some pains, and, and it's written in a way that she seems kind of out of it while he's more alive and running for his life. Well, he makes a mistake. He makes a, a pivotal error in his relationship with his wife. He cheats on her. And it's the one time where you see... Commi- we, as people, see Commissioner Gordon as a human. And we see his flaws. And we see that the corruption of Gotham is, is somewhat got to him. It, it's a very important scene in, in the comic series, as well as the graphic novels, as well as the cartoon series, as well as in the movies. That this guy made a mistake. He no longer is the golden era of America, good guy who's coming to Gotham to save the day, he can somehow contribute to the bad in this in this, in this big city. And he has to decide on, on what he's going to do and who he's going to be. So what does he do? He tells his wife. He tells his wife because the gangsters are going to start to leverage that information to make him into their puppet. 
So instead of doing that, he admits to his wife what happens, and his wife saves him. Now, in the comic book series, as, as some of us and a lot of us should know, is that Barbara Gordon, Commissioner Gordon's daughter, is to be the ne- next Batwoman. Now, she's going to be Batgirl, Batwoman, and then Oracle. Now, Batgirl was just new released. It was just re-released with a brand new, com- with brand new costume. It looks awesome. It really does look fantastic. Here's the problem I have with Gotham. They made Commissioner Gordon's wife, you know, the, the pregnant wife I was always about, that was a bit, you know, homely and what have you, the way they drew her. Yeah, they didn't make her that way in, in, the, in the series. First off, they made her, like, supermodel beautiful. So she looks almost like, uh, let's just say out of his league for being a cop. I'm just going to put it that way. And they live in this house, or this apartment, or this loft, or whatever, that has a clock tower inside of it. And you wonder to yourself, what would make this person do anything illegal? Or anything corrupt? Do they have this much money? Do they have this place to live in? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's defying logic. Ben, McKin- ben McKinsley is in this show. Donald Logue is in the show. You got Sean Pertwee. You have Robin Lord Taylor, who plays Penguin. You have Aaron Richards. You have Jada Pickett-Smith, whose character I do not like. I do not like her character at all. Looking mean inside of a, a, a TV screen does not make you a good mob boss or a good character or being kind of, you know, I don't know. The it, it, show seems to be written by men to me because here, here is the problem. Commissioner Gordon or Detective Gordon's wife as they, as they showed in the second or third episode, has had a female relationship in her past. And they're implying that somehow she's lying to Commissioner Gordon about her past. That she had a, would you call it, a lesbian experience in her life? That she had had a relationship with a woman before and that she is not telling a detective Gordon? By the way, that is really none of his business. If, it, if they weren't married, it's None of their business. It's none of his business, so she's not really lying. But I don't really know the rest of the story. They haven't fleshed it out yet. But what I do know is that it's intensely insulting to make the future hero the the third wheel on Batman's tricycle. When you make her, when you imply that the reason why she's as strong as she is is because she had a father who was a detective and who was strong, and a female who was mm, strong but also had lesbianic tendencies, you're kind of, you're really kind of shortcutting this character. You're really cutting this character in half. It really does not make an extreme amount of sense to me uh, why somebody would do that. Because instead of saying... This person is strong, and this person is like this, and this is the reason why she is the way she is, and she grew up in this environment, and uh, just like just like all the old Robins have. I'm not calling her Robin. I'm just saying that she almost has the same backstory to a certain extent, except for the, the dead parents. What you're saying is that there is an underlying meaning of why she is what she is. I mean, why can't she just be a badass superhero? Why does it have to be weird implications? I don't understand. So, yeah, when I saw that, I shut the show right off. I mean, I, I, I watched the episode over again. And I watched it all the way through, but as soon as I saw that, I was immediately insulted. Where you have this 
we're just having this really weird tendency in episodic television, like in The Walking Dead, or even in Breaking Bad, or in Gotham, where the female characters are written despicably. I don't know why they're written so horribly. I guess maybe in Breaking Bad it was more more explained. It was uh, this is a little more understood. She still wasn't a very annoying character. Uh, being that she's an excellent actress, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, I was, I was very troubled by Gotham. Were you troubled by Gotham? Did, did that hit a chord for you? We have a very nice audience listening right now. And welcome to Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you very much for joining us today. Do you have a difference of opinion? Please call in 657-383-1444. I want to hear from you. Would you what did you think of Gotham? Did you like the show? I personally did not. I think Selena Kyle being Catwoman and, and Bruce Wayne knowing each other at childhood is pretty silly. Especially since later on they become boyfriend and girlfriend in some sorts of ways. It does not make a lot of sense to me. So she saw who killed Bruce Wayne's parents? This is how far back into the lore we're going to rewrite it? Is that these characters are, are somehow connected through some kind of lost fate. You know, here's the thing about Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes and Spider-Man and Batman is the consistent question asked about these superheroes is that are you here to save us from the superheroes or are you being a superhero escalating the problem? So you just you just destroyed that argument with Gotham. Now you're saying that no matter whatever happened, these guys would have somehow connected no matter what. Because it didn't take Batman to wear a rubber suit or leather or whatever he wears in order to fight bad guys. If it started back here, you'd have a different Batman back then. He probably would have had his father or his uncle or somebody. Somebody crazy. It would never have just been Commissioner Gordon. It's very strange to me. Very strange. You can you can see the difference between a show like Gotham and a show like Battlestar Galactica. The reason why is that you can see from BSG, they planned that show out from first episode to last episode. And they may have had some quirks along the way, but they were following a stream of thought, a stream of activity. When you look at Gotham, it's almost like they're trying to shoehorn characters and also rewriting some history as well, some story as well, which doesn't make any sense. You might as well go to Tim Burton's Batman, get Catwoman from that episode. I mean, at least you made her into a kick-ass character instead of some weakly. And so in this show, Catwoman plays a basically an orphan girl who hangs out with orphans. Catwoman's had several different backstories from being a rich woman who steals from the rich and gives to the poor and sides up with Batman to a in Batman Year One, from being a prostitute to becoming Catwoman and becoming quite dangerous. So there's lots of backstories for her character. Lots. So this isn't a stretch for her to be young and in Bruce Wayne's life. But here's the problem. If you have so many people looking at Bruce Wayne as a child, you're not going to correlate the two people together when, you, when they grow up and you see Batman and Bruce Wayne the same age and you don't see them in the same place at the same time. You see this intensity for this from this child as a child. But when he grows up to be, what, 23 years old and becomes Batman, you don't see that? Seriously. What kind of, what kind of investigator are you? <laughs> what kind of team of writers are this? 
you can't show Batman like this. Bat- Bruce Wayne, by this age, was traveling the world because he was trying to escape the view of his death. He's kind of like the Christ-like figure, where you don't know where a certain perspective of his life went. He went off to train with Sherpas and in in Indias, Indians in, in India. You know, in pain techniques. He went to Tibet. There's lots of places where he traveled, but he didn't stay at home in a blanket with his butler. He certainly didn't do that. So yeah. As you can tell, I, di- I didn't really like Gotham very much at all. And, and I'm, I'm trying to watch it. And and we have new characters coming on very, very soon. So you know there's a, there's a new character coming on that was on Firefly. I'm not going to give it away because you should be looking at this yourself. But we do have a new character coming in from Firefly, so I, I have to continue watching the show. But the show, is, the show is pretty bad to me. I'm not a big fan of it. Whereas in, um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they changed it. They changed the show around to make it more likable. They listened to the, to the audience, and they changed the show. Is Gotham going to have that chance? I, I don't know. It's getting 8.2 in IMDb. The people obviously like it. You shouldn't. You shouldn't like it. I'll be honest with you. Not a very good show. But what do you think? I want to know what you think. Call me up. Let me know. I'll give you a little bit of storyline here. I'm going to read it right off the page. In a crime-ridden Gotham City, Thomas and Martha Wayne are murdered before young Bruce Wayne's eyes. Although the idealist the Gotham City Police Department detective James Gordon and his cynical partner Harvey Bullock seem to solve the case quickly, things are not so simple. Inspired by Bruce Wayne's traumatized desire for justice, Gordon vows to find it amid... Gotham's corruption. Thus begins Gordon's lonely quest that would set him against his own comrades and the underworld with their own deadly rivalries and mysteries. In the coming wars, innocence will be lost and the compromises will be made as some criminals will fall as casualties. See, that's just already stupid to me. <laughs> that's already stupid to me. Because there is, Batman is not the first superhero, by the way. He's not the first superhero. So you're implying he's the first superhero in this entire universe, which is ridiculous. Because where, where else would he get the, the mentality to wear a, a cowl and a suit? doesn't make any sense to me. So, if this is, if this is the storyline they're, they're going by for like four seasons in a movie, that is, that is pretty silly. That Commissioner Gordon would come down here, try to find rivalries. I mean... Innocence lost. Innocence was lost when, when Bruce Wayne's parents were died. That was the point. When Bruce Wayne's parents died, it was the end of Gotham's innocence. It was kind of like World War II or the golden era of America. It was the end of all things great. That's why their death is so important. So when they died, that's what you got. You had the death of innocence. And that's why everybody went into hypergear, and that's why Gotham fell down and slowly fell down until he came back 10, 13 years later became Batman. Anyways, I'm not a gigantic fan of the show, but I want to hear what you think. Call in 657-383-1444 and, or just tweet us at Cinephile Radio on Twitter. Steve Pisa, P-I-S-A. You'll reach me there. We have a great guest today. We have Shane Graham on here. We've had him before for Boyhood. We have him again for, for another movie we're going to talk to him about. I can't wait. We call Girl on the Edge. Let's bring on our our, our, our great guest here, um, Shane Graham. 
Dr. Shane Graham. How are you, sir? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Good to have you on again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I had a lot of fun last time. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have a girl, a girl on the Edge that's coming out very, very, very soon. I, I saw the trailer. I can't wait to see the film. It, it, was very, it very much had the feel of Boyhood, where it's, it's about, and this is based on a true story, right? This is based yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, a true story, and it's really about a woman who's been through, a girl who's been through something really horrible, but grows from that experience, becomes something even stronger from that experience. It's very, very interesting, and I want to get into that. But let's let's go back a little bit, because I've been waiting to talk to you for, for a little while here. How was Boyhood? I, I loved I loved watching the theaters. I, I, I've seen it before, before I talked to you, and then I, of course, mm-hmm. saw it again when it was released. How was it, seeing that in the big screen? And uh, what was the release like afterwards? Well, it was a, it was it was kind of shocking because um, I guess in my past experience uh, with that film, um, I was younger, and uh, for me, you know, memories change over time, and it just was different than what I remember. But it was it was so surreal and interesting to see kind of me um, grow up for that those three little uh years and uh yeah that it was it was was something else it really was and it was cool because the way we shot the scenes i remember um that we were kind of given um because mr linkletter was was very different with the way he was telling that story because he was he was trying not to have any acting going on in this movie um so he kind of gave us scenes that fit us so he would talk to us and kind of get interests, and then he would say, "Okay, well you're going to do this." And so when I'm walking down the street talking about Star Wars, I was really into Star Wars at that time, and I was obsessed with General Grievous. I got to talk about General <laughs> Grievous in the scene, and that's kind of how it played out over time. So what ended up happening was uh, there wasn't so much acting involved. It was just I got to see myself live, you know, truthfully in that situation for a little bit, and. Uh, it turned out to be wow. a great translation on film, and that's kind of what you see throughout the movie. I really loved it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of like Wonder Years. I'm a huge fan of reflection films, but Boyhood was extremely special in my, in my eyes because it was very different than what you'd see in episodic movies, where you'd have the same act for 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 the 12 year span and they put a little makeup on him. Whereas in this one, you guys literally changed as human beings, and then we're on the screen together. So it was. I mean, this was filmed within a 12-year period. So it was, it was quite shocking to see how different your acting changed, how your personality changed, how your voice changed, how tall you got. It was quite it was quite amusing. <laughs> when you saw that, did you get any feelings of, oh, my God, I'm like growing up in front of my face? Yeah, it was cool because um, I was definitely at different heights because they caught me um, right when I was starting to hit my growth spurt. And uh, I, <laughs> I remember... The first year I was I was a little bit taller than those guys, and uh, when I went on the set, and um, I felt good about it. You know, I did did my scene, had fun, left, and the second year I came back, I was way taller than those guys. And then um, <laughs> in the third year too, I just kind of slowly saw them going down. And then when we all right. when we all met up again at the cast and crew screening, Eller was taller than me, and so was wow. Michael, <laughs> and I was. <laughs> wow, it's so interesting to see you guys. You all caught up, and they're all grown up now, and you know have scraggly beards, and it's just 
it's interesting, you know. My, but but my back kids then, are grown you know, up. Big guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it is strange, right? I mean, you see him as a small boy, and then you see him again with his like you know his little pencil mustache. It is quite mm-hmm. uh quite unsettling for the eyes. I mean, as a teacher, I, I you know I see that all the time, and it is it is a little unsettling. So the show was it's the a little heartbreaking, a yeah. It, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you kind of see uh, my, his my innocence favorite. just leave casually, but it's so casual <laughs> that you just you don't realize that it's hurting your feelings because he's now he's I going know. out to the real world where it sucks as opposed to you know. <laughs> I know you always want to warn the poor guy, like please God, don't grow up. Stay in the middle of the movie. It's much better yeah. here. <laughs> it's a, you know what's also amazing about the movie is that it shows how you. Almost don't appreciate those golden years of your existence. Uh, how you mm-hmm. you kind of find drama where there isn't drama, and you create things where there isn't things because somehow you feel like you should be more busy. When a boring life would be more interesting. Of course, it would make a more interesting movie, but it does make an interesting kind of life. When you look, when I watched the film, it was very interesting to see that almost people were creating their own drama. So what what the great director Richard Linklater was doing was was allowing the actors, in my eyes, at least as a, as a viewer, allowing the actors to create their own family history in front of our faces. Did you feel that when you were watching the, the last edited version that it was almost like the best parts of your of your collaboration together? Yeah, and you know the movie actually touched on a lot of things that went on in my life, so it was a very emotional movie to watch because it's so it's so real. It's not. Like I, I, I was starting to lose faith in movies <laughs> prior to, the, to releasing this because it was just like, okay, you know, the first first fifteen minutes will open up. You watch the film. Okay, now I know what everything everything's that's going to happen. Even the twists and right. turns in a thriller movie, you just you know, it's going to go on. But right. in this movie, it's in in Boyhood, it was just kind of smooth the whole way through. The little bitty moments were momentous, and uh, it. It kind of leaves you euphoric because the whole the whole day after you're thinking about the movie and reflecting on your own life, which is really what you want a movie to do. So, right, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys got a lot of awards too, and the Seattle International Film Festival. Richard Linklater won for best film, best director. Pictures are Ked won for best actress. But there's there's and we go all over the place: Norwegian, in Harlan Films, Berlin International Films, where you guys won best director. This this film really hit a lot of people pretty damn hard. Were you expecting that from this film that people would be um, responsive to it the way they were, or, or or were you a little bit shocked? I was shocked, and I, I mean, I was even going through a slow period in my career. I mean, partly with school, you know, I went to um, New York Film Academy and Austin School of Film, and I I studied a lot of different places, and um, my acting period slowed down a little bit. I, I was doing some commercial work, but um, not a lot of film, and uh, I, I I saw online, you know, that Richard had surprised everybody and just last minute entered it into the Sundance Film Festival. So it was like two days before they were going to screen the first screenings, and it was like Boyhood's surprise entry at Sundance. I'm like, whoa, that that that's actually being released because I was starting to think, you know, <laughs> that it's just going <laughs> to never get made. Really. It was, it was a kind of a risk, you know. You never know. Like, it's, I'm surprised right. that the producer, uh, John Schloss, he that he stayed employed yeah. as an IFC producer for that long, and that you know, there's so many risks involved that I just didn't even know. If there it, are, you know, because early stages, you tell people, 
you know, they ask about it on your resume because I'll go into an audition and they'll be like, right. untitled 12-year project. What is that? Oh, it's a film. Richard Linklater is doing it. Um, oh, when is that coming out? Oh, in like, you know, 12 years. What? Like, no one took that serious. And it's, uh, you know, right. <laughs> and now it's... Right. And now right. it's like gold on the resume, so I walk in there. Hi, I, I was in Boyhood. Oh, okay, Boyhood. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's I, funny how that ended up working. <laughs> I find that very interesting. About the, you know, you have this great director, Richard Linklater. You have these great actors like Ethan Hawke. You know, standing right in front of you, acting, and and still there's there's a sense of insecurity in whether something will will come through or not. You have a great director. You've got great actors. You've got a budget, which is very hard to, to come by, as you know, these days, and, and the film's being made, and then when it comes out, it's a, it's a little bit shocking sometimes, because a lot of movies get, a lot of people don't realize, a lot of movies get shelved. Was that, was yes. that a fear of yours, that this movie was just going to get shelved and never see the light of day? Well, as I got older and I started to more un- have a better understanding of the business side of things and how right. how the industry actually works, um, I started to question whether or not it would just be put up on a shelf, you know, because that's what happens. Like, there's great movies that just never really go where they were meant to do. Like, I did a film called Cicadas in 2000 with an incredible director, uh, Kat Candler, and she did um, Helion. And uh, we did that movie, Cicadas. I had a little role in it. It was, I think it was 2000, one of my first, like, film roles. And the movie was shelved after it was made. It was never... It was never uh, distributed, but it was a wow. You know, it, it, but that 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 happens, yeah. And I and I uh, I realized, you know, it might not actually become w- what it did, but it it went past anyone's expectations, I suppose. Right. Well, when when you look at the outcome of Boyhood, when you when you see that it came out okay, and that people really admire this film on on a different level, and it really is a beautiful film. What, what would you have said to your old self who doubted that the film would be made or it would come out? Would you say anything back to that person to like keep that person on track or keep that person more positive? Would you go back in, in hindsight or, to tell yourself something different? You know, I don't, I don't think I would it's because I uh, I was very grateful just to be a part of it. And, um, right. Because I, and just taking those memories, even if it never got made, I mean, even if it wasn't finished, even if you know didn't go through, and we weren't talking about it right now. I mean, I, I, I think I'd still be very happy because I've got I got to learn, experience something, and um, and what was really cool about that set too is just the the comfortability. I felt like I was at home because everyone there was like the crew was incredible, the director was incredible, but the actors in the scenes were great people. So I didn't, I don't think I would have right. been, um, you know, I, I was happy. Good. Well, when you look at back, back at your old, you know, when you look at your resume, you, you see Shark Boy and, and Lava Girl and what have you, and you see that you're a child. You're, you know, you're a child actor growing up. And I grew up with a lot right. of child actors. And they all kind of, a lot of them fell apart. Uh, what, what's sure. different for you? I mean, what's different for you that, I mean, you, you went from Shark Boy to, to Lava Girl to, to Boyhood that, and you work in production. There are some doubts in your mind along. What, what kept you going? What kept you strong? What kept you on the right track? Because you're obviously on the right track. That's a good. That's a great question. I mean, I guess um, for me, I. I mean, I love it. I. I. 
I love, I guess since I was, you know, a little toddler, I, I asked my mom to be in the box. I want to be in the box. I want to be in the box. And I was referring to the TV. And, uh, you know, she said, you're too, you're too young. And I would, I would argue back and I'd say, no, they're my age, mom, they're my age. And, um, right. I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of always felt the calling for it, I guess. So for right. me, it was always a part of me. Like right now, if I were to try to remember back, I couldn't remember prior to being an actor. Like it's been my entire yeah. life. And it's, it's, it's been just more a of your part life. of me. I, I like stories. Do what? Nice. So it's been more part of your life than it hasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. And, and maybe there's – it's a funny philosophy. I don't know if I touched on this on the last um, time we talked. But there is a philosophy that I kind of have in the back of my mind that might seem a little strange. But um, to me, it's totally justified. And it's, it's uh, in a way, um, a part of me – gets to live forever in what I do. So even if I'm playing a bad guy or a girl on the edge now, a, a rapist or, you know, some terrible person, there's still a little part of me in that character that I played. And my great, great grandkids, you know, and so on, who never got to meet with me, never got to talk to me, can watch that film and they can gather a little bit of me from watching me play that character. And so, in a way, I kind of I kind of live forever, and I get to share myself with people even when I'm gone. And that's 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 yeah. part of the philosophy that's kept kept me so passionate about it, because I just find it like it's such an art form too to, to get to experience something and live through a scene that you know maybe you've never been through. And every once in a while, on set, you get that moment where you really are in it. You forget about the camera, you forget about the crew, you forget about the set, and it's just you and that person you're talking to and the intensity and the stakes that you feel with that person, no matter what the scene is about. And I, I, I'm madly in love with that. So I think that's what kind of keeps me chugging. Even when I'm slow and I don't have work, I just keep going. I I go, I start writing. I start, you know, I start coming up with concept stories. I get, get a hold of my filmmaking friends and make a short, you know, I don't, I don't sit idle because I care about it too much. I, I don't think that sounds strange at all, or, or I think a lot of us think the same way, especially if you're a writer. As a novelist myself, I think the exact same way. This is how I'll be known, or this is how I'd prefer to be known instead of my my personality. I'd much rather be known as an artist than as a human being to a certain extent because people love to shoot down human beings. That's, that's, quite, yeah. that's quite interesting because a lot of people, they just fall apart. I mean, they, I worked locations for years. I have a, a, a very close friend who was a, a huge superstar when he was young and, and just doesn't want to be anywhere near it. Anywhere near it. Doesn't even want to be noticed, seen, recognizable, anything. And, and we've always well, found that a little bit kind of off kilter. Go ahead. Well, maybe there's, I mean, there's, there is a difference between me and most um, child actors. Um, and it's mm-hmm. that. Like, I, I have had a tiny bit, I guess, of what you'd call stardom. I mean, I've had some attention in that light. And, um, I mean, I like it. I was, never, I was never flooded with being a child star. I've always kind of been around the child stars and in the background. And, do I mean, I've always had little lines here and there. And, and uh, 
But I've, I I was lucky enough, and it actually turned out to be a blessing, not to be flooded with being a child star when I was young. Right. I mean, I did a lot of work, but... And what was interesting about Boyhood is I didn't get flooded with that when I was young because it was going to be released when I was older. So, right. you know, now I have a mind about, you know, maturity and control and, and respect for the craft and for coworkers and for... I, I, I just... I've had time to prepare myself to be an adult actor, I guess, because I I have friends that are child that were child stars, and they're right. they're messes now, and it I feel bad, but you know it I guess it can be overwhelming and as silly as it so. sounds, you know the, it can it can mess with your mind that attention. What do you what do you, what do you think is up with this? You know, and there are you know there's this, you know, know. people know the martial art thing. You, you train martial arts out here in Aurora, Colorado, as well as around the place, and. What are you? Yeah. You, you were you you were a second degree black belt. Am I am I correct in that one? Uh, well, in in Kuksu uh, One, when I was uh, I, I studied I studied Kuksu One, yeah, and I I uh, I got yeah I got that far in that, but um, I studied a lot of different types of martial arts, and yeah, it, it, it's yeah. very much discipline, and it teaches you self respect, self reliance, and like you said last Absolutely. time, which I loved how you touched that, it kind of connected that with Meisner technique, where it's just repetition. But um, right. yeah, I, I that that is very important, and it so it's it is kind of a way of life. It's not not a violent. People think when you say I'm a martial artist that you're a fighter right. or you're violent right. or something like that. It's totally the opposite. If you're a true martial artist, you're very peaceful. I mean, you you have peace right. yourself, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I see. When I was watching Boyhood, it, it was very interesting. I, I can see the training of martial, at least in the martial art perspective, mind. The way you're, the way that you're acting, it's it. I'll give you an example. People who train martial arts or people who train a discipline have a tendency to act or behave in a certain manner. Um, very professional. They seem to want to know everything about their marks, everything you know about their acting, so they can feel more free. And that's what I saw from Boyhood because we we spoke previously about your martial art training and we exchanged information about both both of our our training and teaching and what have you. So. When I was watching Boyhood, I saw a lot of your personality come out in that, of the confidence. And even throughout the years, you can see yourself changing, become more vertical. Did you see that yourself? Did you see that at least your life was changing you through film as well? Wow. You know, that that's really, really neat that you said that. I, I mean, I I guess I wasn't looking for it, you know. Um, and being, being me and <laughs> seeing me, I guess, is... <laughs> It's different because I'm looking at different things. I, like I was picking right. apart, um, you know, oh, maybe you could have said that better. Or, oh, because, you know, as an actor, you beat yourself up. But, um, right. uh, no, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, wow, you know, I have to go watch it again now. I do. Because you, <laughs> you got me thinking, I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> no, you, you can tell just by the way you walk, just by the way you talk throughout the, you know, by, throughout the film that you are changing. And then through our martial art experience and through our talking, it obviously showed that the leadership ability, the understanding of movement, the physical understanding of your body, it translated. And it was it was quite quite sweet to see. To see it was almost like watching a student of mine in, in a flash forward momentum. <laughs> That's cool. That that is really neat. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna look for that. I, that I I guess I could kind of think. I mean, I, I guess I can kind of see it if I think about it, like. A, Going down the street, it was. I was definitely leading, leading the conversation. It wasn't a problem, but right. I guess that's that. But yeah, you, you're. 
Yeah, you, you know what? Maybe you should tell me about my my acting. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. You're fa- you're fa- you know one of the reasons why I wanted you on the second time is you're fantastic and you're going to be a huge star. And I want to get you. I want to nip you in the bud before you get there. So that way, when you know when you when you thank everybody for your Oscar, I can be that person that. And I forget that one person. I can be that. Oh, I I'm the one you forgot. Yeah, I'm the one you forgot. Oh yeah, Steve. So that 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 fart man. He called he nipped that, me in the that. butt. That bastard. (laughs) Let's move on to, uh, I really wanted to move on to Girl on the Edge because, you know, this is the last movie with Elizabeth Pena. I really wanted to talk to you about that as well. That's okay. Let's get to to the story first because I was was really looking forward to this, even though it's it's a very hard subject matter to to watch and to get into because I don't think I've ever spoken about this on, on radio, but one of the hardest things for me to watch in anything, number one, is rape. And then number two would be any kind of child killing. They're very difficult. That's why, like, In Bruges is such a beautiful film because it touches base on that. But how did you feel about yeah. girl, going on Girl on Edge, knowing what the story was about, knowing what character you're going to be? Can you tell us a little bit about the story, please? Well, okay. So if you remember my last conversation about antagonists, which is what I'm typically cast as, um, I, the re- I said the reason I enjoy them is because I can kind of try to go into their mind and try to understand why they justify what they're doing because as a bad guy, you're always... A a bad guy, whenever he's doing something bad, never sees himself as doing something bad. He always just justifies what he's doing. He always thinks it's the right thing at the time, perspective-wise. But for Girl on the Edge, I I mean, I wasn't even going to try or think about dabbling with that kind of mindset because there, there there is no justification for doing that. There's not. I, I can't, even if I were to want to research that, I didn't want to. just did not. Right. Um, but uh, what, what um, I mean, I knew what I was getting into, especially right. during the audition process. But uh, I just, um, I did want to be part of the story. And I knew, I knew enough about it as I was auditioning and things that I knew it was a good story. It was a, it was a, it was a good film and it was going to be inspiring. And, you know, being a part of that story is important. And, you know, right. every actor has to play his part. And I I play a bad guy, Will. So, um, you know, I tried, well, to, director, I tried to just... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, it's directed by Jay Silverman, and it's written yeah. by Joey Curtis. And you're saying that as we're going through the process... Please continue. Oh, yeah. Um, Jay Silverman, for one, is... Is is an incredible director. He just knows how to make the actors comfortable. He knows how to talk to an actor. You know what? He's an actor's director. That's mm. that's what I'll say about Jay Silverman. He just knows how what to say and how to say it to his actors to really get the performance he wants. And I love that whenever you work with somebody um, right. like Jay. But uh, no, yeah, it was it was an inspiring story, and it is an inspiring story. I, I hope everyone watches it, but um, it's about a girl that, you know, she goes through something, you know, awful and unspeakable, right. and um, uh, she finds hope again, and she finds herself again, and in the end, she becomes strong, and definitely a movie worth watching for anyone who, you know, has gone through a situation like that, or needs to be right. inspired, or just wants to watch an inspiring film. This this film is definitely um, a tearjerker. <laughs> It it is, you know. I mean, just even trailers alone made me shirk a little bit. 
uh, seeing, <laughs> I mean, you know, and you were the bravest son of a gun I've ever met in my life. Because I got to tell you, having yourself be a bad guy like that, I mean, that's bad. And I look at you, I'm like, wow, you're a good actor because I hate you at this moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, no, I mean it's, when, when you could, right? It's intense. Yeah. I mean, you can say that about somebody you like and an actor you really like. I mean, that's good acting. Like, wow, for that moment there, I forgot who you were. That's inc- that's nice. Um, well, funny yeah. enough, so I really, Taylor, I re- Taylor. Oh, sorry. No what? Oh no, Taylor. Taylor? Taylor's uh, Spritler, the 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 lead in that film. She does amazing. And but we we actually met on set the day that we were doing that that scene. No. Um, so so it was really, which you know, if you actually think about it, it actually played well for the scene because she didn't know me, and then I was going to go that far. Um, it's, wow. it's, so it was twice as intense because it's a stranger have, doing this to her, right. which I won't give away any of the story, but, um, in the film, you know, we, it is quick thing that happens. Um, right. so, uh, for us, it was interesting. She, she walked in and we were, we are, you know, our, our, uh, dressing rooms are right next to each other. I'm like, hi, I'm Shane. She's like, hi, I'm Taylor. And the conversation kind of went with something like, you know, so, uh, we're about to do this thing. And she's like, yeah, we are. <laughs> this, is, this is awkward. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> you know? And uh, because we we at least both kind of acknowledged it right off the bat, this is awkward. We don't know right. each other. We're about to do a uh, rape scene. Okay. Right. So at least we could stare a smile and say, okay, well, at least I think we trust each other. And, I, you, know, I, you know, I told her, if at any moment you feel uncomfortable, just let me know. It's over. You know, I'll... I back off and she's like, it's okay. And she, and you know, Taylor, Taylor is one of those actresses that, um, she, she really, really, really is a great scene partner. She's a great actress. She, she's just, she was born to do this. So whenever we, uh, were doing our scenes together, it was, it was really a breeze. It really was. And she made it a breeze for me to be bad because I felt comfortable and I, and I could, I was able to get into the character a little bit. I didn't want to dive too much into it, um, but uh, yeah, she she made that um, what it was. I I really give her the credit for me being so devious. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Spreetler, yeah, she's a, she's a really great actress. She's an up and coming actress. She's going to be in a lot of things like Bohemian mm-hmm. and Amityville, the The Awakening, Girl on the Edge, of course. And Girl on the Edge is the first uh, directed uh, film by, or the first written film by Jay Silverman, which is which is a nice thing as well. So, did you know that going into it that Jay Silverman that this was the, the one of his first movies in a long time that he's yeah. written? I think we put it the second project. Nice. Yeah. Did he I tell did, you about I that? I, what, I, uh, what did he say? Oh, about 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 um, Girl on the Edge. It, what did he, as being like the first time going to come back and doing this as as a, as a formal thing, what, what, what was he explaining to you? Was he excited about the, doing it again and getting into it? Oh yeah, it was very much a passion project uh, project for him. He um he he did say you know he he wanted to do since it was going to be one of his first uh, feature films, he wanted to do something that was really close to his heart, and uh, that was that was um, very personal to him. So um, that's. That's uh, that to me was the best thing I could have heard because no, when you get on a film project and um, this happens a lot, a lot of them there are there for the money and they they just all kind of get together for the paycheck and they make a product. 
but the people that were working on which it was called the secret place now it's girl on the edge um the people that were there for that film were there because they loved the film they loved the project the script what it meant um what it was for what the message was and um jay was jay was leading that charge and loving the film and so everyone was coming to set in a positive mood ready to work and they you know it it was it was um it was really inspiring to be on a film like that because i've been on films where you know no one wants to be there and right. i won't name anything but but like it's 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 very stressful especially to the actors too that or the crew even pas everybody on set whenever you know, a project is clearly not a passion project. There's always problems with complications right. with The Secret Place. Jay was just like, all right, I'm making this film. I care about this film. I love this film. <sighs> this means something to me. And whenever you hear that from the leader, you know, of the symphony, you you all are in tune immediately. And I, I just love, I love that he uh, told us all that because that, so that, means so that absolutely matters to you as, as an actor and as a, as a future superstar. That, that matters to you, that the director, the writers, the actors, the production crew, everybody behind there is behind you or behind the production. That, that matters to you. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. It's one of the biggest things. I mean, I, I'm, nuts about, I'm nuts about film, but I'm also nuts about the story that the film tells. And, you know, when, when someone especially in in a key position, says, you know, I love this film. You know it's going to get made right, and you care so much more for it, which I, I did right, right away. And even even my last audition, uh, before the table read, the, it was like, I think it was the second callback, um, Jay said as I was leaving, you know, um, really great job, Shane. You know, this, this, this film means a lot to me. He said something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was, it was like I didn't even necessarily, he might not have even necessarily needed to say that. The fact that he right. just said that outright, just I, I really was wanting that role. <laughs> I walked out of there like, please book me. And um, <laughs> sure enough, I got the call. You're getting booked. Table read is this day. Da, da, da. I was like, yeah, that little dance. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was something else just to see that kind That's of passion awesome. shared. That's awesome. It's awesome to hear that passion still rules over a lot of things. When you're just equally as excited as the person who wants a project to be made, instead of somebody saying, come on in for a Captain America interview, and it's a sausage machine, almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So we lost a great Elizabeth Pena, who's been in really a billion, billion things. Please tell, tell me about your experience with her being being on set or, or working with her. I mean, she's been in, I mean, just about every, the, the, for me, the biggest thing I'm going to miss her in is Modern Family because that was the last thing she was in. I really loved her in that. But she's been in for my childhood at the very least. She goes way back into my very young, 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 young childhood. But she also did like Justice League. She did voiceovers for that. She did NCIS. She did Incredibles. And she's an incredible, incredible person in our pop culture history in America, especially the Latina actress. How was it like working mm-hmm. with her? Did you get any scenes with her? Or I, I saw you in a picture no, with her. No, no. Obviously, you were, you're, 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 yeah, you're cooperating with each other. So what was going on with that? Well, um, 
no, I I, when I came on the set and um, I guess I can give you kind of a little bit. I can't give you much information, but um, I I came on the set and worked with Gil and with Taylor, um, but I, and with some extras. But I didn't I didn't get to work with Elizabeth. Um, Taylor would tell me about it, um, but yeah, we were all shocked when um, we heard the news. I I heard the news. Um, I got a text message. Um, I was just my mouth dropped because I couldn't wow. believe it. And uh, right. I called Taylor to see if she was okay, and um, went over and we talked about it. Um, and she said she was uh, her crazy Cuban, um, and it was sad. It was really, it was really a, a somber moment because yeah. no one ever wants that to happen to their their story, you know, or their movie. Right. Um, but yeah, she was a legend. She was, she was definitely someone to be admired. And, and, uh, I, I remember, I, I love the Incredibles, by the way, she was Mirage. Oh yeah. And, uh, oh my God, man, I, I could not believe it. I just, I just couldn't. And then I went on, I went online and I looked it up. I was like, I have to double check these facts. And sure <laughs> enough. Yes. Yeah, That's her. You know, gone. back in my days when she, she was, in, she was in, um, um, a Jacob's Ladder. And she was super sexy. I mean, super sexy. <laughs> so, she, you know what I mean? I mean, I grew up, I grew up in the 1970s. So, uh, Elizabeth Pena to me was, you know, because I, I, I'm first-generation American. Both my parents are, are immigrants. And uh, when you see Elizabeth Pena when you're young, it's like, wow, this, this chick's hot. Yeah, I don't care that I'm like nine. This, this chick's hot. So, <laughs> I, I've always loved her acting. I've always, I, I had, and I grew up watching her. And then, you know, right now, she's, she she died fairly young. He died at fifty five years old. My dad died at fifty three. So uh, I was quite quite shocked. That is really really young for a person. But I was also very very happy that she had the ability to be in one last film. Um, I, I know a lot of actors don't get that chance to just set on screen to put their face on like like Philip Seymour Hoffman had that ability. A lot of actors had that. Heath Ledger had that chance to have his last picture being made. And I see Elizabeth Pena having the same same opportunity here, so it's it's nice. Yeah, that we you finished that production. To be in a film. Yeah, yeah. So did you did you see a finished cut yet? I did, I did, I did. I uh, I went to a private screening with the cast. Um, How was it? Uh, and it was it was emotional. It was, and it was it was um, to say the least, it was uncomfortable watching my scenes. It was, um, yes. but you know, I I do. I do feel I did a good job. You're going to hate me. And uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. So, uh... <laughs> we hated Darth Vader, too. So, I mean, you, you got to hate the bad guy, don't you? I mean, unless you're watching yeah. something like The Walking Dead, then you can, walk, you can like the bad guy. You know, the trick, I mean, well, for one thing, this, this type of bad guy in this intense of a film, you, you, you don't want to have any likable qualities in the bad guy. That's for sure. You don't right. want to glorify him, right. even in the website. I'm not on the cast page. I'm not. And you don't want to glorify this guy because he's just he's just right. not someone you're supposed to like. So hate him. No. You're not supposed to know anything about him, just decide from he's, he's awful. Um the trick for bad guys is to make them likable. Like um which I think in like Maleficent, Angelina Jolie, she was so likable that I mean Disney really didn't let any unlikable traits come out when she's supposed to be a villain. But like mm. you do wanna have that little touch where you kind of like him, even though he's a bad guy. Um, but no, there was none of that for this film. So, um, do you, yeah, do you, I did. Do you I did do watch that? The film. 
great. <laughs> well, when you when you when when you go back into the story of the bad guy and you're reading this and you know you got to play a certain way and just like you yeah. said, I mean that that is that is so on edge when you're saying which is very nice because it ties into the title. But as you were saying yeah. that you were studying the character and you can't give him because he's a rapist, you can't give him any likable char- characteristics. This guy's got to be a bad guy. Going exactly. into that, no, yeah. Did you do you decide in your mind like this guy's going to be a sadist? This guy's going to be like this? You put a little backstory in your mind, going this is this is the reason, not justifying, but this is the reason why this guy is the way it is. It's not just that he's crazy; that is that he's more like a masochist. Do you do that, or do you not overplay that mindset? I've always made a backstory, and I've always been very extensive in my work, and that's that's my uh, that's actually something I preach: is do the work. You know, do the work. Right. Anyone asks me, what do I need to do? The work. Like, uh, like, oh, I was I was at uh, Taylor's twenty first birthday party last night, which was amazing, and um, right. Joey was there, um, Joey Lawrence, and he he said this yeah. without me even bringing it up. He was like, you know, people nowadays they don't do the work, and I was like, you're right. preaching to the choir. That is my <laughs> my motto. But um, <laughs> the uh, the character the character for Girl on the Edge, I did not make a backstory, and there's a reason huh. why I didn't because. When you make a backstory, naturally, even if you don't want to, you do start to justify things in your mind when you're playing through a scene. It's natural. Uh-huh. If you if you do the work and you have a good backstory made, even without noticing, which is what your goal is, making a backstory, your scene improves. You become better. You become more natural. It becomes second nature to you, and you you uh, you naturally start to think like this person and then it comes across on screen that you, 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 uh, you know, you justified it. What I wanted oh. to do with this character, which is, which is not, it's not, it's, it's un- unorthodox, but um, I wanted to just play what I hated about people. I, the only thing I kept in my mind as I went through the scene, besides listening and reacting, you know, and the basic rules of engagement in a scene um, was, playing what I would hate in someone else. So, um, mm. like, subtlety and passive aggressiveness, I hate in certain people. So I, I tried to play the people I hated. Um, uh, bad, just, just just bad guys in general. I took what I hated and I applied it, I guess. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to think about his history, though. I didn't want to. There is a scene where I'm with my mother, and um, mm. with that scene... I suppose I did start applying some memory and and uh, started to think about times where I was mad at a family member and that, you know, so you'll see that. But when it came to me and Taylor specifically, I just played what I didn't like. That's that's how I did it. I kept it simple and I kept myself hateable and there was nothing you're going to see that you're like, oh, I can understand why he's doing that. The whole time you're like, that asshole, that freaking asshole. There's no, there's no moment where you're like, oh, Right. Okay, you know he's he's messed up. You're just like it's interesting. <laughs> it, it's it's very rare that you hear actors who are you know they're they're creating their resume and they're working with. I mean, you start off working with Robert Rodriguez or Richard Linklater, and you're working on this film here, and you're going, you know, I don't want to be likable. I want to be hateable. I I don't want to do a backstory because I don't want to sympathize with this character, nor do I want anybody else to. That's really really harsh for an actor because. I don't know any other actor who would want to do that. I mean, a lot of actors yeah, want to take off the Yeah, I did. I made it more harder on myself, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's incredibly that's incredibly brave because most people would not want to be that brave. They'd be like, well, maybe maybe we can show why. Like even American History X, they even showed why he was a little bit of a racist in his past, and all these other films you show uh, why why this person might be a rapist because he he had a backstory of abuse. But hearing you say that, I I didn't want any of that because you don't want justification for an action like this. Says that you wanted the action to be pure. You wanted the acting to be pure, and you wanted this character to be unlikable, which is uncommon for an actor to want. An actor wants to be loved and appreciated. So a person wants to be you know, ex- exposed and pushed away. That's, that's, that's pretty odd and brave. That's very cool. Yeah, what I, what I was risking, though, and I thought about this you know, after I was done filming, I risked making my acting look like acting by doing that. Because you do, you right. risk... Um, you risk coming across as someone who looks as if they're winging it or doing lines by doing that because you don't have a solid back story that makes it easier to be fluid and things like that. But I did watch the final cut, and I loved it. I loved loved the film. I loved the cut. And um, so it actually worked out. I I took a risk, and it worked. I, <laughs> Which is good. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see it. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you about something else, and it, and it is partially related. Um, I'm a huge gamer. I, I love video games a lot. And um, the, one of the biggest things right now in gaming is, is people saying the word rape. Just, I raped you, just cons- constantly. And it's getting worse now because nobody's being smashed in the face for saying something so weird in a public yeah. forum instead of, instead of a video game. Especially in, in a first-person shooter like Call of Duty or now in Destiny, people are saying the same exact thing. What would you say playing a rapist uh, in a film and, and, and digging deep into that character and, and, and being with such great actors and, and seeing the film on screen, how do you feel about comments like that frivolously being made in, in like a video game to other people? as like almost like a verb. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, it is overused, and I and I I didn't have, which which is great to say this. I after working on this film, my awareness was very much raised on the problem that it is today, how big of a problem it is. I knew it was awful, it's it's atrocious. But I started to look into things, you know, after I was done filming, like how often does this occur, things like that. It's it's kind of scary how how big of an issue this is, and um, yeah, no, I. I just, you know, I, I try not to take things personal too, because um, I'm a very easygoing guy. I'm, I'm the the joking guy at a party type thing. Um, right. But yeah, they, it's just just ignorance. They don't realize what they're saying, you know. And right. it's a uh, it's sad because this it, it's it's a, it's you know you see even now I'm having trouble saying things about it because it's just terrible it, it <laughs> like, is you, I know I'm so sorry for putting you on the spot I know it's a hard subject to talk about <laughs> okay, it, no. it, 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 it's, such a, it's such a weird thing to to actually uh, you know you're, you're coming on to promote a movie and uh, you know we're, we, we want to get the rest of the cast as well as the director of the show as well but it's a very difficult thing to explain especially when you're the catalyst for this person's growth which you are you're the catalyst for this girl's growth uh, you know, yeah. playing playing by by the lead actor. So, it's, but that's a nice thing. I mean, you're the you're the stone that sharpens her sword. I mean, I'm not saying that the situation is nice. What I'm saying is that it's a nice outcome to see the story go, to see how it grows. Because some people just fall apart in their existence. And see that this is and a you know, this, story, and to see yeah, this story there's, there's thousands of girls that go through that situation, and they don't have a good outcome. They they right. lose hope, and they lose 
you know, and that's that's why this film is so important. I think is is just that it is going to give people, you know, hope and inspiration if they are in that dark time, or it might even inspire some people that maybe are quiet about their pain to go get help. Go, go talk right. to your family. Go, go, you know, the strength is in you. You just got to find it, and that's, you know, that that's that's um that's one of the great things about the film that I think you're gonna love. Really do. That's wonderful. Well, so when is this? When is the movie coming out, and uh, and where and where can we see it? Is it going to be in the theaters, uh, VOD? Um, well, I think on the website, uh, girl on girl on the edge of the movie dot com. Um, okay. There's some information. You'll find the information about uh, uh, screenings and things. I know the director's um, hoping for a release um, sometime early next year. Um, mm-hmm. well, I think I think we're still in talk with distributors and things. Um, I'm not sure because I'm not, I'm not involved in the business side of this film at all, um, which right. I hope, you know, in the future with all films I do, I'm somewhere in the, behind the camera. Also. I'm, I'm pretty love, sure in the future, I'm pretty sure in the future you will be, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to have you on as a director soon and I'm pretty positive about these things. So, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote a pilot recently um, and it's it's kind of on the really? download right now and I can't, I can't share much about it. But um, Oh, I love that. Pretty soon, I love, I can't pretty share. soon we'll be. Can't share anything, but I can give you a hint. You know, I'm working on. I got. I have a little uh, pilot, and it's it's in pre 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 production right now. But um, got the cast for it, so it's looking good. But really? yeah, I, I do. I do want to. Um, I I will come back. You know, in the future for sure, and talk about that. But oh please. Yeah, I do. I do want to be involved in writing and things too. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're still a very young man. You've got a gigantic and very bright future, especially since a lot of people draw attention in your in your direction. So we have Girl on the Edge. We don't have an exact release date yet, but Girl on the Edge, directed by uh, Jay Silverman, uh, acted by Taylor Spreetler. Uh You have Shane Graham in there. You have the great Elizabeth Pena in there. This is her last film. But we don't have a release date yet, boys and girls. We're going to put it on the Internet. You can check it out IMDb right now. Check out Taylor Spreeler as well. I contacted her, and hopefully we'll have her on the show very soon. But the the movie movie's called Girl on the Edge. It's a really nice film. Uh, get a look at that trailer, and, and let us know what you think of that. And the other movie is called Boyhood, and we talked about that with, with the great Richard Linklater, and that was a fantastic film. So, it's, so we have the pilot in our future. Do you have anything else in our future that we're working for? I know, I know you like to work production, and I know you like to work you know down deep as well, and and put up the flags and pike down the things and, and, and work very hard in films. What's next for you? <laughs> yeah, well, um, what I what I do do a lot is um, I, do, I do do I do do yeah. Um, what I do like to do a lot of times and it helps you know it's just extra money and it's extra experience and it's great. And I do PA work, second uh, AD work. Uh, I recently did my first coordinator gig on a music video wow. and that was incredible to kind of experience what it's like to sit in the office while the set's running around beside you and you were telling PAs to go run and get coffee for so-and-so and this and that. And so that was right. interesting. It was funny because all my PAs were older than me. So it was like, a, <laughs> this kid is my boss and I don't like it. <laughs> but, did you wear the beret with the glasses and the big foghorn where you're like, coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, most of the day I just fought my printer because it was acting up. But I... Uh, I did enjoy that, and so you know, any any aspect of film, TV, commercial, 
if I can if I can do something to help the process, I'm going to be there. I'm going to uh, beg to be there because I love it. But uh, right. yeah, that's what I do. And um, outside of the pilot, you know, getting ready for uh, whatever comes my way. But you know, you're, and my you're fiance too. Hard. I'm getting married in February. <laughs> oh, you're getting married in February? Congratulations! Can yeah, we, can we yeah. Your name on air. Yeah, Kelsey Jones. She's my fiance. Kelsey we get married Jones. February seventh. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, so, uh, Kelsey. We're so we're so happy for you too. So yeah, where are you guys going to get married? Thank oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey. Yes. <laughs> well, do, do you have plans on the? So you're getting married in February. Do you have a plan for the honeymoon? You you plan on going somewhere? I think it's going to be a staycation for now. It's going to be simple. Keep it simple. And um, so yeah, we're going February seventh. We're getting married. Uh, she's a working actress. She's a uh, she's an really? but She's also a working actress, and she uh, she just filmed for a little show. Um, am I allowed to say what it is? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just filmed for uh, Killer Kids, a Lifetime show. Oh, nice. Um, she nice. she uh, she gets murdered. Um, but no, she's doing great too. So we're kind of a kind of a power couple right now because we we help each other out. Um, she'll be in the pilot. I can say that much. Um, but that is, you know, awesome. we, we help each other. We prepare each other for auditions and we encourage each other. We love each other. And that's, that's another big aspect that's awesome. of my life. Every, every great man has a great woman. So, <laughs> Oh, I, I, my, my favorite line is behind every powerful man is a woman who thinks he's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> that's really <laughs> true. Yeah. She, gets me, she calls me on my stupidness all the time. Right? I mean, you got Stanley Kubrick right there. And Stanley Kubrick's making 2001, A Space Odyssey, and he got his wife behind him going, um, turn left, turn left. <laughs> so I always thought, behind every powerful man is a woman who thinks he's an idiot. So that, that, that's wonderful. So you two work together. Does she read, like, some of your some of your writing and help you along and give you that advice that you yeah. long for? Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, she does. And she, she uh... Even like whenever I'm preparing for a role, like even The Secret Place, Girl on the Edge, of all things, uh, she was my reading buddy at the house. Like we'd go over the scene together, and she'd give me her input, and I would take it and consider it and use it if it was great. And you know, we help each other, and that's—I think that's a big part of why I'm um, so on top of things right now. You know, I'm looking for my keys, and she reaches in my pocket and pulls them out and says, "You're an idiot," and, that's, <laughs> and that keeps me running. You know, it's really, really special to have that. That's really interesting. So, so you had you had a female incredibly close to you to bounce off, uh, bounce off of about girl on the edge. So, how difficult was it, or was it difficult at all, about explaining the bad guy part and what you be this this character? Did she sympathize with you or empathize with you at all about who you'd be playing? Like, oh my god! Well, no, no, no. What what happened with the audition process um, for that film was, and um, of course, you know. And if if you if a listener listening doesn't know, I mean, with uh, with acting, you audition you you audition initially, and they're seeing you know say two thousand people, and then you get called back. So you're, now you're being called back with five hundred people, and then you call back a third time, and then now it's like twenty and things like that. Um, but the first couple auditions, the dialogue was uh, one scene, very simple, and it wasn't with uh, Taylor's character. It was actually with um, Bill Bellows' character. Um, and so we didn't we didn't rehearse any of that aspect of the film, the the bad wow. stuff that I do. Um, we just rehearsed right. a a scene that I can't say anything about, um, but you'll see it. And sure. um, that was what we did. But 
Um, it was mm-hmm. it was the third callback, I think, that the director said, "Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go over the situation. You're gonna kind of improv the situation." And um, it was <laughs> it was a very intense audition that I wasn't quite prepared for, but I just did my best because. Um, yeah, it was it was something else. Yeah. We did not prepare for what you're talking about. No, <laughs> we didn't have. Yeah, there wasn't much of a heads up there. <laughs> but, but I did what I could. So you're working, or you're working with your future wife, you know, and it's such a great thing when you have somebody as a partner like that 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 is interested in the same subject matter, that understands the field, that likes it as as at least as much as you do. Is there any thought for you two, other than the pilot, to write together? Because I'm a huge fan of the Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams mentality, where they or Christopher Nolan, where they bring on their wives, their executive producers, or they they all work together as a family. I'm a huge fan of that kind of collaboration. That's what I do with my my writing partner as well. Is that a mindset of yours going into the future of filmmaking with your with your future wife? Yeah, well, yeah, we do we do want to work together. We, I mean. And of course, we love each other. We're each other's best friends, and um, we both have an old, old school mentality um, about relationships because we're both very young. And we we hear all the time people are like, "You're too young to get married. You should wait. You have all the time in the world." Blah 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 blah. blah. And we always just unless say, you get hit by unless ready, you get hit by a you know? car tomorrow, then you have no time. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but we're ready. I don't want to waste another minute not, you know, being married to her because then that's that's the last time down the road that we have, and that's right. That's not for me, and I, I even talked to Joey uh, Lawrence about relationships because I told him, hey, I'm getting married. This is my fiance, and he said, yeah, we've been married 21 years. He's talking about his wife, and I was like, that's incredible. It's right. so rare nowadays because everyone wants to get divorced. Everyone gets bored with someone else. Everyone is doing you know, their own thing. Right. They're selfish, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's, we come from a generation, at least my grandparents, where you know, if something's broken, you fix it. And, um, right. I I always loved that that quote because like my great grandfather Bud and Granny they were in love and they're married oh my god forever they ended up right. dying together not too far apart either but um, you know that it does work if you want it to you know it takes two people to make it work and we're we're dedicated to each other and we love each other so we're not worried about it and if people want to doubt it. Oh, you should be. You know they can go be lonely at home and be mad about it because it's gonna work out. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a big fan of love. You know a- anybody who talks negatively about marriage or getting married, I mean while you're they say when you're young, it, young is like 16 years old, young is like 15 years old. Yeah, you're too young to get married yeah. at that age. Yes, but at, at yeah, this no, age I know, here, I know 30 year olds that I hang out with, and I'm like, you're too immature for me to hang out with you. But then I know, I know an 18-year-old or two that are just incredible people. They go to bed at 9.30, and they wake up at 6, and they're ready to work. And it's yeah. just like, wow, you know, it, it's not so much age difference after, you know, you're done with maturity or, or physical maturity. It's very much where you are at mentally. So. <laughs> I completely agree with you. When you get to a certain point, you're just – sometimes you're not wise. You're just old. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's right? true. Yeah. You know what? Now I actually understand why people use lumbar supports in their cars. You know, when you're right. young and you get in your, like, grandma's car and that bar is sticking into your back and you're like, that really sucks. Why did you do that? And now when I get right. in the car, I jack that sucker up and I'm like, oh, this is so nice. And, this feels great. <laughs> I need, and I'm, I need I'm, some I'm bath turning 24. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. When you work hard, you work hard, you know. And I remember when I was yeah. young, people used to be people used to always think I was in my forties when I was like my twenties. And mostly because I worked harder than any twenty year old. It's like I, I thought this was what you were supposed to do. But it, it's it's amazing mm-hmm. to me that the way people talk in their thirties, they look at people in their twenties and they go, You have all the time in the world. You have all this all this energy. Why why waste that is not true. I, I don't know why they've started that mindset with with twenty year olds, but you should be doing things in your twenties. You should be completing things. You should be going out there and make taking chances. If you're going to get married, you should get married when you feel in love. You should. This is your world. It's really weird how older generations consistently try to stop younger generations and they're progressing forward. I think mostly it's because out of fear. Yeah, but then it's the same thing, and then that older generation still says youth is wasted on the young. And it's funny that yes, that, that yes. saying still sticks around when they don't want youth to, to utilize their youth. It's funny. It's, I guess <laughs> exactly. maybe it's with age jealousy or something. It but, is. It's uh, like, no, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be marrying a girl. I'd be sleeping with 15 girls. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, but then you'd be a pig. I found somebody I love. Yeah, you understand that I found you'd be a piece of crap. I know. Are, are you not comprehending what I'm saying here? That I found somebody that I'm in love with, and I don't want to lose this person. And the next step is marriage. Um, but I understand that you want to be young so you can be with as many women as you can. But that's cool, Hugh Hefner. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now they know what your right. part of this. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I that's what, yeah. I that's what I hear from these older guys. They have that age jealousy. Why would you get married if I were you? But yeah, but you're not me. Yeah, exactly, man. It, there's, there's, my, my, uh, my dad, my dad. He, he works his butt off all the time, and he, he works all the time because he likes working. And he's, right. you know, he's fifty. He's early fifties now. He's, he's, he's older, but he's chugging along. And, and you know, if, if I were to try to work next to him all day, I'd wear out and I would sit down, and he would keep working. And that's. You know, it depends on the person, man. Like, you know, right. it's it's everything depends on the person. Yes. It's cheesy to say it was, everyone's it was, different, but, you know. No, no. And you, you've shown, uh, you know, this is the second time we've had you on. You know, this, the audience obviously knows now that your your personality is incredibly consistent as being a, a really great guy in Hollywood. And we can't just, we can't wait to see what you're going to come up next. We're very happy for your, your, uh, your, Marriage coming up very soon, and the movie coming up really soon. Let's 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 prep the ending here because we, we've been on for for quite a while now, and we're ending the show. I can talk to you for another hour, which is which is the problem. <laughs> but we have Girl on the Edge coming out very very soon, right? That's our, you know, we're gonna have a great time, but the listeners are gonna be like, okay, that was two hours, uh, guys. Just let's wrap this up. But <laughs> but well, I told um, Kelsey this time I was on. like, it's like how long is the show? I'm like, you know what? Whenever we're done talking, it'll be over. I like talking to that guy. And she's like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that's, you know, that's the way we want to do this show. Yeah, the way I told you a long time ago, the way we do the show is if we sit next to each other in a, in a supermarket or we sit next to each other inside of an airport, let's just have a conversation. I want to hear about everything about you. I really don't care about me. This is all about you. So I really want to know everything about Girl on the Edge because I've been waiting for this film to come out so I can promote it for you, so I so everybody can know how to see this film and also to see Jay Silverman's film and also to see Taylor uh, Spreetler's uh, acting in this film, which is fantastic, by the way. Oh, my God, so, yeah. Fantastic, right? So, Girl on the Edge, 2014. We don't have a release date. It's directed by Jay mm-hmm. Silverman. It's written by, by Joey Curtis and three more credits as well. But we got 
Uh, we have Taylor Spreetler in the film. We have the great, also, Shane Graham on, on, on the movie as well. We have we have Mackenzie Phillips. We have Elizabeth Payne. It's hard to hear the great Shane Graham, isn't it, huh? But it's you goofy. are. Great. I don't. I don't ever want to be known as I know. great. I know it Shane is goofy, isn't it? <laughs> you, you know why it's great because you you have to compare yourself to people your age and what they would be doing at your age and how they would be talking at your age. Now, now on your best day, you're still going to be 23, 24 years old. But what are people doing at your age at this moment right now? They're probably waking and baking, playing Destiny. Gonna go get like a fat fat burger later on. Then gonna come home, drink a shake, and then play some more video games. What are you doing? You're doing yeah. a radio interview. You're gonna work on movies all week long. You're about to go get married. That's great. <laughs> so there's a Thank there's you. a difference there, okay? And also Elizabeth Payne is in this film as well. So Girl on the Edge, Girl on the Edge is the mm-hmm. movie to 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 wait and to see for. Another film that I just love and is now coming out, which is Boyhood. Boyhood is, is released on, on Blu-ray and DVD as well. It is a fantastic, fantastic film. Um, anything you'd like to say about Boyhood for anybody to buy that film? Uh, anything about that? Oh, um, well, yeah, you can. It's now, I think it's now available for pre-order. Um, yes. You could definitely go ahead and pre-order it if you want, and it'll make a great, uh, great gift. And it's just so, it's such a, ah, it's such a good film. Also, um, I think there's a, yeah, I got an email about it. There's a book, a Boyhood 12 Years on Film book that's also available on pre-order. Really? I think it's on Amazon, yeah. And it's a, it's a book of just tons and tons of behind-the-scenes pictures and uh, facts. It's just a, it's basically a picture book of 12 years on film, and you can get that book. Oh, that's right, I yeah. think it's pre-order now, so it's, that's pretty so, And I think there's so, going to be one or, maybe one or two pictures of me in there. <laughs> oh, so, so we should, should we type in Boyhood in, in uh, Amazon and maybe it'll come up as, as a book form? Maybe Am- um, Boyhood book or Boyhood biography or just type in Boyhood? Boyhood, let me actually find, I think it's 12 years on in, on film? Yeah, something like that. Boyhood 12 years right. book. You can Google it, I think. Hold on, let me, I, I will find it because I, I feel silly because I don't have it open right now. Hold on. So we got first of all the music the music from Boy was was amazing. So if you go to if you go to Amazon immediately you'll find the you find the album there which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Blu-ray. Well, I haven't the book yet. Yeah, uh, Boy also has a Facebook page and so does Girl on the Edge. I encourage everyone to go like those. And um, on Boyhood's yes. uh, Facebook page, um, there is a little thing a link for the book. For the uh, Twelve Years on Film book, which which is which would be a really cool uh, collector uh, type thing to have, and um, I'm excited to get it. I know I'm I'm sure my family will get it too, and uh, Fantastic. so we're excited about hey, that. <laughs> I'm gonna pick up a, I'm gonna pick up a copy. You mind if I send it your way? And you can you can give me a little signature on that sucker. <laughs> yeah, totally. Of course, that'd be great. Awesome. Yeah, so here it is. Awesome. Boyhood Twelve Years on Film. Boyhood Got 12 it. Years on Film. Yeah. Awesome. Shane Graham, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on. We, we can always find you, Shane Graham, on the regular Twitter, as well as Facebook, as well as your IMDb. Uh, Shane Graham, it, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Please say hi to your, to your beautiful future bride, and we hope to have you on really soon. Thank you, Steve. It was a blast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that was a great, uh, Shane Graham. And, you know, it is hard people to hear uh, how great they are. Wow, I just started that sucker at 100%, didn't I? 
Hmm. That was an excellent interview. Shane Graham is such a great personality. It was great hearing his future wife chime in there, wasn't it? You can tell it's a collaboration and love when the other person gets on the phone and is, is able to express themselves. They're very excited about your career, you can tell. It's a very nice thing to have people on your side. Remember, there's always people on your side. The most consistent thing I've heard from a lot of these actors, actresses, productions, writers, directors, what I've heard, producers, what I've heard the most consistent thing of is work hard no matter what. Work in fields that sometimes you don't know about. Have faith in yourself. Have people around you who you trust. And number one is believe in yourself. That doesn't mean be cocky. A consistent thing that we would say when we were young and we were working in the cinema or movie or media industry is we would constantly say, you know, I'm going to work there, but I'm not going to kiss anybody's, anybody's took us. And we didn't quite know what we were saying. What we really meant was we're not going to kiss anybody's butt. We're going to just be who we're going to be. But the truth is, is that if you're nice, that's what people are talking about. You need to be nice. When you go and say you need to be nice, so when you look at Shane Graham, when you look at Sean Piccinino, when you look at all these great actors and actresses that are out there, directors, producers, they're nice. They're good people. They work extremely hard. Remember, they work extremely hard. I remember meeting somebody who was very, very young and they were saying they want to be an actress. And I said, why? They're like, well, I really want a lot of attention. If you want a lot of attention, go out in the middle of the street and wave up your hands in the air and you'll be viral in 24 hours. If you want to work a craft, if you want to be a better person, if you want to develop as an artist, listen to people like Shane Graham. He's a young man. He's got a lot to teach you. He's got a lot to tell you. And a lot of people that age, they, they don't feel like they have a lot to teach you. Listen to his story. The martial arts, discipline, the craft, Training, relationships, working with people, all the key words that a good actor like Jeff Wolf or what have you would say are the necessary components to being a great artist in today's market. So while Shane Graham might have a problem being called the great Shane Graham, I'm just kind of looking into the future of, of what Shane Graham is going to be. The future Shane Graham is going to be the future Richard Linklater. Director, writer, producer. That's how these people start off. That's how they all start off. Humble, nice, kind. Certain amount of ferocity. I've noticed that it's 25% work and 75% perspiration. 75% just get it done. I want you to remember all of you you're all a gift. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Go out and hug your family. Have a fantastic day. Next week, we'll have another fantastic episode. Thank you to Shane Graham for joining us on Cinema Files Radio. This is your host, Steve Pisa, P-I-S-A. I'll see you next week. God bless.